Well, I'm so excited to be with you all tonight. I'm also so excited to have Josh and Katie back. What a gift. Can I hear an amen? Let's, like, come on. This is, what, like a month now that we've been missing them. There's just been so much going on in their family. So continue praying for, yeah, blessings over their family and um, all of that. Um, but yeah, as many of you guys know, we have what we call XA Abides um, every Wednesday through Friday, which all of you should know because we just announced it. But for anyone who might have missed it, that's what we have from 9 to 9.50 a.m. And usually on Thursday, well, yeah, almost every time on Thursdays, we go for a prayer walk. And so we'll meet outside of the SSC and we'll usually, um, whoever's kind of leading that time will give us prayer points. And more often than not, we'll say also, like, keep your eyes open for someone that might need prayer. And um, I love this time because it challenges me to grow in boldness and in confidence in going up to random people and saying, hey, can I pray for you? Um, and so a few weeks ago, I saw someone walking with a wrist brace during one of our prayer walks. And I thought, oh, I should go pray for that person. And then I was like, wait, no, I probably shouldn't. That would be weird. But then I thought, no, I should. That's literally why I'm here. I'm here to pray for people because I believe in the power of Jesus. And then I was like, no, it's like almost 9.50. I should get back to the SSC so that I'm not late and I don't hold anyone up. I just kept going back and forth until finally this person was out of sight. And I felt kind of guilty for not, um, for not going and praying for this person. And I felt kind of disappointed in myself. And I thought, why didn't I just pray for this person, right? Why didn't I walk in the kingdom authority that I know I have as a child of God? And the only thing that I could think of was that I responded in fear rather than faith. So have you ever been in a similar situation where you know you should pray for someone, but you just don't? And you feel stuck between really wanting to go up and step out in faith, but also what will they think, right? What if this person doesn't get healed and I look weird or like one of those Christians? Or what if I stumble over my words? That's a big one for me. I'm like, oh my gosh, what if I say the wrong thing? What if I don't know what to say? What if, what if God doesn't show up, right? And I love the passage that we're going to look at tonight. It's Acts chapter 3, so you can go ahead and start turning there if you want to. Um, it's after all the Gospels in the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and then Acts. Um, and I love this passage tonight because it gives me so much courage just to do the thing, to step out in faith and act, act in faith rather than fear. The passage that we'll read tonight helps us see what could happen if we walked in expectancy and boldness, and what could happen if we truly believed that Jesus has the power to change and transform us and others. So we've been going through this series called Holy Spirit's Acts. We've learned that God's plan for redemption is global, that salvation is for everyone. And we've seen um, just last week that as we wait eagerly and expectantly, that Holy Spirit will show up in wild ways, right, as we talked about last week. And tonight we'll be looking at how Holy Spirit is with us helping us to walk in boldness and in the powerful name of Jesus. 
And so um, we'll be reading Acts chapter 3, verses 1 through 10, and I'm just going to go ahead and pray um, to open us up in this time. So Jesus, thank you so much for tonight. God, I thank you for everyone that's here tonight, Lord. Um, God, I pray that you would just speak to all of us. God, help us to um, just have open ears and open hearts to what you would have to say to us, Lord. Um, and God, I just pray that we would walk away changed, Lord, that we'd walk away transformed and, and ready to um, do what you have called us to do. In your name we pray. Amen. So we'll read um, verses 1 through 5 in Acts chapter 3. It says, One day Peter and John were going up to the temple at the time of prayer at three in the afternoon. Now a man who was lame from birth was being carried to the temple gate called Beautiful. When he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for money. Peter looked straight at him, as did John. Then Peter said, look at us. So the man gave, him, gave them his attention, expecting to get something from them. And so we see um, that Peter and John go up into the temple to pray at three in the afternoon. Um, this would have been very common, right? A lot of people would have been present and witnesses of this situation. And it would have been the same as maybe walking through like Warner Commons or um, that, that place right between D Hall and uh, Madison Union, like a lot of pe during class change, right? A lot of people would have been coming through and there would have just been so many people there to see this man sitting, but also to see what's about to happen. It could also be um, like maybe going to the SSC any day before Thursday. I don't know what it is, but like throughout the week when I'm at the SSC, it's crazy. And then on Thursday, there's like, significantly less people there. And I don't know what it is about Thursdays and Fridays. I guess people are just kind of checked out. Um, but anyways, the point is it was a busy place. And many people would have passed by this man and probably even known him as the beggar that, that sat at this gate. So there was a paralyzed man who needed something from Peter and John. And it says that he had been paralyzed since birth. So he would have never learned how to walk. His bones would have never had the opportunity to uh, become strong. His muscles would have never become firm enough to be able to carry him. Like, he was paralyzed since birth. And chapter 4 tells us that this man would have been over 40 years old. Right? So if you think about that, that's double your age and then add some years. Like, imagine that. Like, you're, like even right now, you would have never been able to walk and then add exactly how much you are and then some years and you still wouldn't be able to walk. How tough would that be, right? So imagine being this person. Imagine being um, maybe a young child and never having learned to walk and you see all of these other children playing and having fun and you just kind of have to sit there and watch and you can't do anything about it. You can't play with them. For at least 20 or more years, this man would have um, been begging for money, and he would have lived in shame, feeling like he's not enough, feeling like he's less than other people because of the condition that he's in. And he would have even seen people now in the temple walking and praising God and going about their day, doing whatever they wanted, going wherever they wanted, and he's just stuck. And so some people would have also looked down on him and maybe even judged him, um, believing that he might have been paralyzed from birth um, because of a sin that maybe he committed or, or his parents committed or his family. And they would have made a lot of assumptions about him because of the state that he was in, because of his legs. 
And so in verse 3, um, the man asks Peter and John for money because that's what he believed he needed, right? His sight was the right here and right now. It was short term. But Peter and John, as they are walking, empowered by Holy Spirit, they saw through Holy Spirit that he needed something more than just money. They saw beyond what the man initially asked for. And they saw an opportunity to bring glory to God through their prayer. So Peter says, look at us. Which means that this man, as he's asking for money, he would have been asking out of a place of shame, right? He would have been shying away and maybe not even making eye contact or looking at people. He would have just kind of noticed they were, they were walking by. And he would have been like, please give me money or, or whatever, right? And he would have been shying away from people while he asks them. Um, and so we'll read on. Verses 6 through 10 say, Then Peter said, Silver or gold I do not have, but what I do have I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. Taking him by the right hand, he helped him up, and instantly this man's feet and ankles became strong. He jumped to his feet and began to walk. Then he went with them into the temple courts, walking and jumping and praising God. When all the people saw him walking and praising God, they recognized him as the same man who used to sit begging at the temple gate called Beautiful, and they were filled with wonder and amazement at what happened to him. So as Peter and John look on this, at this man with compassion, right, something that this man probably wouldn't have felt before from other people, they tell him to, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. Right? They say that they don't have what this man is looking for, what he's asking for, but they have something better. And so take a moment to think about what this man must have thought when they said, hey, in the name of Jesus, walk. Right? I would have thought, can't you see that I can't walk? Like, can't you see that my legs don't work and have probably never, have never worked before? I would have probably wondered if they were asking these questions or, or telling me this to shame me or to mock me. I would have probably written them off for a moment as like, these people are just mocking me, just I'm going to wait till they leave and continue begging. But something to note about how Peter prays for this man, he says, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. So in this culture, a name didn't just identify a person. A name expressed the very nature of being of that person. And so when Peter says, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, he's not only asking Jesus to heal this man, but he is pronouncing or declaring healing. Um, he's, he's declaring the healing power of Jesus over this man and so releasing the power of Jesus. And I'd also like to point out that Peter, um, as he prays over this man, as he, he says, in the name of Jesus, walk, he's, it was so simple, right? He's not, ask, he's not doing anything weird or wild. He didn't say anything weird. He didn't raise his voice or anything. He just says, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. He believed that Jesus' name had power to heal, and he believed that that was enough that there was nothing else he had to do but just use the name of Jesus to, to proclaim healing in the name of Jesus. 
And so we also see that Peter didn't just say something and expect this man to do it all. Peter shared with him the power of Jesus, and then he came alongside this man. He helped him to believe by taking him by his arm and helping him up. And I believe that this was an act of love, not doubt. Right? This was an act of love, not doubt. Peter came alongside this man and said, hey, I love you, so I'm going to help you believe that you've been healed. He wasn't doing that doubting. Oh, man, I saying, oh, man, I hope that Jesus healed you. Like, I hope that this worked. It would have been an act of love, not doubt. And Peter would have also seen Jesus do this exact same thing as Jesus um, heals Peter's mother-in-law in Mark 1. He, he takes the hand of, of Peter's mother-in-law and helps her up, right? And, and um, Peter would have also seen Jesus take the hand of Jairus' daughter when he healed her, and he, he helped her up as well. And so Peter, as he is declaring healing in the name of Jesus, he's like, oh yeah, I remember, Jesus did this, so, so let me do this too. And I believe that the man could have absolutely stood up by himself, right? I don't think that there was necessarily anything in Peter giving this man his hand. But I think that it was helpful and even loving for B Peter to come alongside of him um, and to experience the power of God. And this would have also been an act of faith on Peter's part to bend down and to help this man up after praying over him, believing himself, hey, I just prayed over this man and he is healed. And I think that too often when we work up enough courage to pray over someone and we're like, okay, I'm going to do it, we pray for them and we pray for healing or we pray for whatever, and then we just wait or we move on rather than taking another step out in faith ourselves by saying, hey, let's, let's try this out. Let's believe together that you are healed or that the Lord has made a difference. So they came along this side uh, alongside of this man in faith and love, helping him to believe. A commentary that I was reading puts it like this, the power was Christ's, but the hand was Peter's. And so we see um, that it wasn't about how Peter prayed or what he did afterwards or what they were wearing that day or what time of day it was, right? It wasn't any of that. It was about the power of Jesus. The power was Christ's. We see in this passage that there is power in the name of Jesus to heal and to transform. But the hand was Peter's. He extended his hand to help this man believe that he had actually been healed. We see that Jesus holds the power to heal and transform, but it's through our obedience that people experience that. I don't think there's a slide, so I'm going to say that one more time. Jesus holds the power to heal and transform, but it's through our obedience, through your obedience, that people can experience that. So what might this look like today? I think that it looks like starting your day with Jesus to help align your heart and, and your desires with him starting your day in worship to God through prayer, through reading scripture, through just spending time with him, right? Through worshiping him through music. And as your desires are aligned with Jesus' desires, maybe he'll show you who to talk to, right? Maybe he'll give you a picture or a vision of maybe what someone is wearing or what someone looks like for who you're supposed to talk to or who you're supposed to pray for. And then maybe you would ask 
and pray that the Holy Spirit would give you boldness and even that you would see what is unseen. What I mean that, by that is that you would see who needs maybe inward healing, who might be struggling with depression or shame or insecurity or fear, right? Those things that we can't necessarily see just by looking at someone, but that Holy Spirit would reveal to you, hey, this person is struggling with shame. You should go pray for them and introduce them to the power of, of Jesus that he would even lead you as you're praying and abiding with him to the ones that might even need physical healing. And you could pray for this person, right? That you could make a difference in their lives because you believe in the powerful name of Jesus. So in verse 8, it says that this man jumped to his feet and began to walk. He went with Peter and John into the temple courts, walking and jumping and praising God. And people saw him walking and praising God. Luke tells us four times in these few verses that this man was walking, was seen walking, and was praising God for this instantaneous healing. And I think that Luke wants to emphasize the miraculous reality that this man was not only healed from this infirmity, but he was also immediately strengthened. Right? I believe that no act of human will could have accomplished this instantaneous, complete healing. Because like we read earlier, this man was crippled from birth, and so he would have never learned how to walk. Right? His, his bones would have never learned that. His muscles would have never learned that. And this was clearly the power of Jesus. And Luke wants to emphasize, hey, this was the power of Jesus. This was not anything that, that Peter or John did except for act in obedience. So these disciples walked in kingdom authority that Jesus had given them and prayed for this man. And in turn, this man experienced the power of Jesus through healing. Um, so when I was 11, I had surgery on my back. Um, I have what is called sprangles, which means it's super rare. Um, I don't know exactly how rare, but like the doctor that I saw at Duke Hospital, um, she was like, whoa, this is crazy. Um, and yeah, she, what was that? Yeah, right. It was not encouraging. I was like, oh, cool, 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 cool. Um, but anyways, and so I have this called Spangles, which means that my shoulder, my shoulder blade, for, blade formed higher than it should have. And so it should have formed like this, like most normal, you know, shoulder blades, but instead it formed like this. Um, and I also had this extra bone beneath it that was pushing it up and towards my spine. So instead of forming normal, it formed like this, but then there was a bone that also kind of pushed it towards my spine, which made my mom really nervous as I was growing up, um, which checks out. And so anyways, I had surgery to remove that bone to kind of help lower the shoulder blade. And that meant a couple months of being in a sling. I think it was like three months maybe. Um, I, I couldn't use my arm at all. It just kind of sat there for three months, right? And I had nothing on this guy who had this infirmity for 40 years. But three months, I couldn't use my arm. And um, I remember that when I started physical therapy to help strengthen those muscles again, to help regain movement in this arm, I took my sling off and it just, it just kind of sat there. And I was like, whoa. Like, that thing is tiny. Um, it was so small. And that was only because three, after three months of not using it at all, there was this significant difference. 
So we started with only 30 minutes of physical therapy a week. And I was like, okay, that'll be easy. 30 minutes a week, not bad at all. And I remember that first time of going to physical therapy and I was like, I hate this more than anything. It hurt so bad just to even do like normal movements to like lift it a little bit. Like it wasn't anything crazy or lifting weights. It was just moving it a little bit. And it took a long time to strengthen those muscles and to build them back up. I think I was in physical therapy for about four months. And even when I was done with physical therapy, um, she, my physical therapist gave me um, like resistance bands and different exercises that I needed to do at home. And she was like, hey, you need to keep doing this to continue strengthening that arm. And so after so much time of intentionally trying to strengthen my arm, it still needed even more time to continue healing and to become strong again. But this man that we read about, as Peter declares healing in the name of Jesus, he is healed and strengthened instantaneously. Right? How wild is that? I th this is the power of Jesus, right? This man didn't go through physical therapy. He didn't take weeks or months to even learn how to walk, right? Think of a baby as it's growing and its muscles are forming and it takes like months to learn how to walk. This man in an instant was healed. And so in this moment, as Peter and John pray over this man, they align their desires with the will of God, right? It's all about what Jesus did rather than how these disciples prayed or what they did. We see that in this moment, there is power in the name of Jesus that goes beyond what we could understand. And it didn't make sense that this man would have been able to instantaneously stand, let alone walk. In an instant, his bones became strong and his muscles became firm. So in praying in the name of Jesus, the disciples submitted to his will. They weren't trying to further their own purpose or, or glorify what they could do or anything like that. Their desire was that God's will would be done. Their desire was that other people could experience this healing power of Jesus through, through being obedient to what the Lord was asking them to do, through them praying over this man and declaring Jesus' name over this man. And so here in Chi Alpha, we have um, this um, axiom. Axiom, that sounds right. Um, they're this saying that we say a lot, that we repeat a lot, because we believe that it, it helps us re uh, remember this truth. So we believe that prayer is relational and that it's consequential. So I believe that when we pray, we do deepen our relationship with Jesus, that we um, create and, and have this deeper intimacy with Jesus that it is relational, but I believe also that when we pray, things happen. So Jesus tells this parable or this story about a persistent widow in the Gospel of Luke. And this woman is consistently um, just asking for something that she needs. And in the Gospel of Luke, it tells us that through her persistence, that, that she received what she needed. And, and Luke even says that Jesus shares this parable to teach his disciples to always pray and to not give up. And so the purpose of this parable was to show that God's timing is not always our timing, right? And that as we seek to align our hearts with Jesus, to align our will with God's will, 
That is when he leads us to those who desperately need him, to those who desperately need to experience him. Just like Jesus led Peter and John to this man who desperately needed healing, he'll also lead us to the people who desperately need him, need his healing, need his love, need his, the, the power that is Jesus. In 2 Corinthians 1, Paul is thanking believers um, in Corinth for their prayers, and he's sharing with them how their prayers are making a difference in his life. And he also encourages them. He says, hey, keep praying, right? Be persistent in, my, in your prayers so that we will continue to see how God moves. So going back to my story about prayer walking, last week as we were prayer walking, um, I, at the end of our intentional time of, of prayer walking, um, I noticed this girl who had a boot on her leg, and I thought, oh, I should pray for this person. And then I was like, wait, we're wrapping things up, we're getting ready to finish, it's fine, I'll just pray for her like in my heart, um, but not actually with her. And in that moment, I was like, wait a minute, this happened a couple weeks ago, and it's not going to happen again. And so I go up to her, and I said, hey, um, I believe, um, in, or I said, I think I said, I noticed this boot on your foot, and I'd love to pray for you because I believe in the powerful name of Jesus. I believe that he has the power to heal and that I can um, share that with you through prayer. And she said, yeah, please pray. That would be great. And so I started praying, as, and as I'm praying, I'm thinking, this is so wild. I was like, I really hope that Jesus shows up. I really hope that she's healed. Um, I would love, you know, for this person to experience Jesus this way. And I'm also thinking about this sermon of like, oh, like after I get done praying with her, I can be like Peter and John and I can help her to believe by saying, hey, could you like take off your boot and, and um, believe that you have been healed and, and test this out? And so I'm so excited. I'm like, okay, I'm going to do the thing this time. And so I finish up praying. I'm like, okay, Jesus, in, the na in your name, like I declare healing over this person. And in Jesus' name, amen. And I look at her and I say, it was so great meeting you. Have a great day. And she says, you too. <laughs> and she walks away. And I was like, I was shocked. I was like, that's not what I intended to say. That's not what I wanted to say by any means. Like what happened? Um, and so was that be me being fearful, acting in fear again, or was it me being sensitive to Holy Spirit where he might have just been like, hey, like not this one, not this time, just let her go on her day, like it's not my timing. And I honestly have no idea, right? I have thought about this moment so many times since, and I'm like, God, like was it fear, was it not? And honestly, I don't know, but what I do know is that I prayed for this person in Jesus' name, and I, I expected her to be healed. I prayed with expectancy, and I prayed, like, knowing, like, okay, Jesus, you have this power. It's about you, right? And so I, I do believe that because I prayed in the name of Jesus, because the name of Jesus was spoken, the kingdom of God was advanced. I believe that even though I um, may never know if this person was actually healed, that Jesus can and still will move powerfully through that interaction because the name of Jesus was spoken and there's power in his name. Because it's not about me, right? It's not about me. It's not about what I think I should have done or could have done better. It's all about Jesus. And the moment that I take my eyes off him and what he's doing is when I have it all wrong. 
right? My ultimate goal is to allow heaven to invade earth by being faithful to do what God has, has called me to do, by being faithful to love others and to allow them to experience the presence of Jesus through my words and actions. That's my goal, to be faithful, to walk in kingdom authority, right, in boldness, in confidence, knowing that my identity is in Christ. So even if this person thinks I'm weird, that's fine. Like, I have Jesus, and my identity is in him. And I know that the rest is all in Jesus' hands. Um, and so, Rachel, you can come on up and start playing the keys. And I, tonight, before we end, I want to give some extra space to respond to Holy Spirit. I believe that some of you tonight are in doubt or disbelief. That you see these stories of Jesus healing people and you, you see these stories and heal these stories of um, people being healed in the name of Jesus. Just like we hear stories of, of William Seymour, as Josh mentioned, that, that during this revival, people were being healed in the name of Jesus. But you also don't quite believe that Jesus can do that today. And there's, there's something keeping you from that. And I encourage you to ask what it would take for you to believe that Jesus can still heal today. What would it take for you to believe that the name of Jesus is still just as powerful today as it was 2,000 years ago? And I encourage you to continue praying and continue seeking Jesus. I encourage you to continue reading through this book of Acts and even reading through the Gospels and see the power of Jesus. So some of you also might be a little disappointed because you've prayed for people to receive healing, you've prayed for God to show up, and you really believe that he will, but you haven't witnessed that yet for yourself. You haven't prayed over someone and they've been healed immediately. So you're a little disappointed. But I encourage you to keep praying, to be expectant, to see how God is moving and will continue to move in your life. James 5.16 tells us that the prayers of a righteous person is powerful and effective. So often throughout scripture, Paul tells us, pray without ceasing, continue to pray. And as we talked a little bit about tonight, that Jesus encourages us multiple times to pray persistently. And I think that others of you in here might be filled with wonder and excitement and you're like, let's go. Let's go pray for healing. I can't wait. This is going to be so exciting. And you've been challenged tonight to believe in the power of the name of Jesus and you want to walk with expectancy and boldness and knowing that your prayers matter, that, that when you pray, Jesus moves. And so whatever position that you are in tonight, whether you are doubtful or in disbelief, whether you're disappointed or whether you are expectant and excited to see God move, I encourage you to respond. I encourage you to, to come to this space um, up here or kind of on the edges or um, wherever you want to respond. And I encourage you to ask Holy Spirit to give you greater boldness and expectation. Ask him to show you how you can walk in more boldness and even awareness of how he's moving and working and how you can partner with him, how, how you can come alongside with what God is doing to experience this wonderful power of Jesus, that there is power in his name. So whichever camp you find yourself in, I encourage you to respond. Right?
right? The Lord has been speaking to you tonight. He's been dropping something in your heart, in your soul, and I encourage you, just respond. And so as you do this, um, we'll have some of our campus pastors available to pray over you. Um, feel free to go up to them, to ask them, go up to your core group leader or the, people, the person next to you um, and ask them to pray over you. But also as, as you're praying, um, some of us may even come up alongside of you um, and just pray, pray over you. Um, so whichever way, just know that um, that God is moving and that we want to see, um, I, I want to see you all respond in great faith and in great boldness, just like Peter and John did. So we'll have a few moments to respond and um, yeah, feel free to stand, sit, get up, kind of walk around in the back if you want, come kneel like in the front or the sides or the back, but I encourage you just whatever you do, please respond to what Holy Spirit is, is dropping on your heart.